0: I'm Craig Nielsen, a partner in the Disputes and Regulatory team at Dentons. And welcome to the first in our series of podcasts on developments in the crypto asset sector. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Amanda Schoffel, the Chief Compliance Officer and General Manager for Bitstamp. Amanda, do you want to say a few words about your background on Bitstamp?
1: Sure, and thanks for having me, Craig. Um, my name is Amanda. I am a lawyer by background. I'm currently, as mentioned, the Chief Compliance Officer at of Bit- Bitstamp here in the UK. Bitstamp is the world's longest-running crypto exchange. Uh, Since 2011, we are licensed across the US, Asia, and Europe with a suite of about 41 licenses. um, And compliance and regulatory strategy is really at the heart of everything that we do.
0: Thank you. And I'm also very pleased to be joined by my Denton's colleague, Hagen
2: Weiss from our Frankfurt office. Hagen, would you like to say a few words just to introduce yourself? Absolutely, Craig. Glad to be here. Uh, Hagen-Weiss, counsel based out of the Frankfurt office, all things crypto. And up until last year, I was a director with Bafin, the German federal securities regulator. And I also worked for the jurisdiction of the federal chancellery and the federal ministry of finance, where I was lucky enough to draft Germany's first electronic securities act and negotiate MECA and the DLT pilot regime.
0: Great. Thank you very much both for joining us. Now, there's lots going on in the UK in relation to crypto assets at the moment, whether that's legislative reform in respect of private law relating to digital assets, legislation in relation to stablecoin issuers, crypto assets, financial promotions, consultation on the UK central bank, digital currency, etc. But the topic of today's podcast is the Treasury's recent consultation and call for evidence on the future financial services regulatory regime for crypto assets, and what this might mean in practice for the industry in the UK and beyond. I'd like to start with a question to you, Amanda, if I can. Uh, Treasury says that the overarching policy objectives behind its proposals are to encourage growth, innovation and competition in the UK, enable consumers to make well-informed decisions and to protect the stability and integrity of the UK market. Do you think these proposals achieve these objectives? What's your reaction to them overall?
1: Yeah, I think generally um, very excited and very positive. Any market, whether it's financial commodities or crypto, needs trust. Uh, In the past year, we've seen that not all providers of crypto services or crypto products have acted in the best interests of investors or in the best interest of the market. And we're all feeling the consequences of that. So a sensible regulatory environment Uh, Crypto can be seen as normal, less volatile risk that can be managed with transparency and everyone benefits from that. Um, But as far as the Treasury proposals uh, are concerned, um, I believe that they are sensible. They have widely been seen in a very positive view by those of us in the industry. Um, I think we can all agree that any investor should have enough information to make an informed decision. So particularly the aspects of the following prospectus rules are welcome. Uh, it's probably a good starting ground. I think that the crypto world right now lacks some of the prudential and conduct of business rules that other payments firms are subject to. And the ones described in the consultation document seem to be reasonable and tailored to, to meet those objectives. So we also you know, welcome the fact that the consultation recognizes that um, the crypto world and many entities operating in that world often offer a trading platform as well as safekeeping and custody services Um, And that doesn't require a separation of those between two entities, for example, as other financial regulation does. So those are all really positive steps in the right direction.
0: Do you think there's anything in the proposals that might be particularly challenging for the industry?
1: Yeah, as far as the Prudential rules, uh, rules for corporate governance and rules on segregation of assets are concerned. I have to underline that I don't find those too burdensome. Actually, those rules are quite in line with the rules that some exchanges who are already regulated, um, for example, Bitstamp, uh, under our EU licensed uh, payment institution, uh, we already uh, follow those rules. But one high level kind of concern I have is what may or may not be included as ancillary services under the new Financial Services and Markets Act, the new licensing regime. Uh, for crypto players, which is crucial for exchanges like ours, offering both fiat-backed stable coins and other assets. So the amendments to the payment services regime will include stable coins, and the consultation said that exchange activity of stable coins will be included within the FISMA regime, but they did not say that exchange activity related to the custody of stable coins would be included. So I think some of the concern at this point is that if we have custody or use a third party custodian for stable coins traded on exchange, we may need a separate license for that activity. And we'll kind of be a bit back to square one with not really harmonizing the regime, but still needing separate licenses for certain activities. Now we'll kind of have to see how the regulations play out in phase one, Um, It may be included as an ancillary service, and we're really hoping that's the direction that we go in. But we definitely don't want to be in kind of back in the territory of really fractured regulations that require multiple licenses for the same type of activity.
0: And do you think the proposals go far enough, Amanda? Do you think the scope of activities to be covered is correct, for example? And where do you think Treasury might go in those areas where it says it needs some more information to make a proposal so mining and validation for example relatedly sustainability DeFi.
1: yeah i I do believe that the proposal struck the right balance between regulating services that are already well developed and systemically important for the crypto sector and other more nascent services Um, and definitely welcome the fact that providing lending services was recognized as a priority and that's where i think we start to see the departure from megan what what is happening in Europe.
2: That's an interesting point. And honestly, I couldn't agree more with you, Amanda, when it comes to striking the right balance between basically capturing everything that might be of interest for the market, when it comes to the European situation, when it comes to Mika and all the activities that might be covered under Mika, then they basically run the gamut. When it comes to that, you have pretty much like the the slightest crypto asset exposure that you might want to, Uh, think of and it goes all the way to actually running a crypto exchange so that's going to be interesting to see how it like sort of plays out in like reality once uh, it becomes applicable
0: and what do you make amanda of the approach to territoriality in the document treasury recognized that that can be quite a complex question when it comes to crypto assets which is a theme that's picked up in a number of places throughout the consultation
1: yeah, so, so this proposal is the first one that I know of that tries to establish a sensible framework for outside service providers. Uh, Mika, for example, is is quite silent on that. I think there's a question of whether or not that stifles innovation for smaller projects. It's not cheap to set up presence in an office in the UK or a European country when you're trying to get up and running and, and might not be revenue generating yet. So without a doubt, strongly support any kind of equivalence arrangements, broadly meaning that if you're licensed or registered um, by an equivalent regulatory regime or supervising body, you can, you can offer services in-country. So today, at least in the field of traditional finance, uh, financial services, almost all service providers um, that provide services to local clients, especially retail, have to have a local presence. And, and that makes sense. The co- consumer protection should not be left to third countries. Um, But nevertheless, crypto services are highly international. And so a solution that would implement equivalence or a registration without an obligatory presence would definitely be welcomed by the industry.
0: I wonder also about the application of the concept of reverse solicitation in this context. Again, that's something that is mentioned expressly in the consultation But it's also something that's been quite a controversial concept in certain other circumstances recently. I wonder if you as a firm are concerned about competitors potentially trying to to use that or other exemptions to, to gain some kind of competitive advantage.
1: It's definitely that's something that's a hot topic in the industry, I will say. The idea of regulatory arbitrage, there is a sense of those players that are registered within the UK with FCA went through a long and arduous process in order to achieve that. Now that registration is being phased out and everyone will have to apply for the licenses. And I think that it's still going in the right direction. However, there is a feeling that um, there might be a benefit to those firms that opted not to apply for the registration, not to set up shop onshore, and now are able to offer products and services in market without being uh, supervised by the FCA. It's definitely a concern. I'll be very interested to see the responses to this consultation that come out on this point in particular. Um, and I think, you know, my sense is that the the Treasury and the Regulators are going towards the general prohibition that we see in the larger legislation that is BISMA, but we'll need to see how it, how it plays out. Hagen,
0: do you have any thoughts on that from
2: an EU perspective? Yeah, it's interesting, and 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 I love the fact that you mentioned reverse solicitation because that is definitely like Amanda said, it's a hot topic, and at the same time, it is a slippery slope because what we've seen here in Europe is that regulators are taking more and more of a somewhat, let's say, a firmer stance on that. A uh, reverse solicitation does not solve your problem, and it kind of like dovetails with the, the previous topic in terms of um, establishing a presence in the market that you want to address, and. Being the lawyer that I am, I would say like sometimes it, it pays to be bold, but there's other occasions when it actually pays to like go the long and arduous road and actually establish the presence there and at least start start talking to the regulators, whether that might be in the UK, where that might be in Europe, start talking to the regulators. So just in order for you to prevent you from running into any like uh regulatory obstacles or that kind of stuff. But I again. I completely agree with uh, what Amanda has already said. It is a long and arduous process, and I definitely do understand the industry um, with the the urge uh, to have a somewhat, uh, you know, let's say, clear path towards establishing that.
0: I wonder more broadly, hacking, whether you see any unhelpful tensions or potential inconsistencies, for example, between the UK and EU regimes that you
2: foresee might cause any future problems here. It will depend a bit on how those rules in the UK play out because we've already seen a lot of like Mika, let's be honest here. And the, the UK has the advantage of having published the new rules or what is about to become the new rule a bit later and kind of like to base it on Mika. So we'll see how how the position will actually evolve where that will be a super like let's say business friendly approach. Or if it's let's say more in line with Mika. So we'll see that, but let me just add one thing. Mika is actually a pretty liberal approach because Mika is not trying to like stifle innovation. Mika is not trying to prevent any business of crypto here in, in Europe. Mika is actually reversing the burden and it's putting it on a regulator to prove that you are engaging in regulated crypto business. Just to give you an example, if you want to issue crypto assets, you have to obviously talk to the regulator, but the burden is on them to basically prove that that is a crypto asset under mica so that's something we should keep in mind and coming back to the uk regulation or situation there i guess it will really like uh um depend on how that dovetails with the european angle
0: amanda any thoughts on that
1: yeah i i, I agree um with everything Hagen said and the only other thing i'd, I'd probably maybe point out that i think is an interesting departure um is the concept of kind of grandfathering into either either regime and now we know from this consultation that firms that are already authorized under fisma um like banks and investment firms and intend to undertake new activities uh related to crypto assets they still need to first apply for a variation of permission from the FCI or from the pri for dual regulated firms and the consultation noted very distinctly that the authorization will not be automatically granted um, to already authorized firms. So everybody is going to need to either vary their permissions or reapply. And that is definitely a bit of a departure from Miko from where they are allowing certain firms, notably banks or investment firms, to conduct crypto asset activities on the basis of their existing regulatory Uh, authorizations but but subject to notifications and some other requirements so there is this concept of kind of grandfathering into the regime that we're not quite seeing here here in the uk
2: i wonder amanda just just to ask you that question would you like to see the uk regime evolve more towards mica when it comes to that when it comes to grandfathering
1: i would i think it would be a welcome step um you know the consultation said that firms that are already registered or Contain some other authorization, we'll be given consideration, but we have no idea what that's that's going to be. It would be great if consideration were, were given to firms that are already registered or authorized, uh, but we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. So I'm sure that's something that we'll need to see bear out uh, in the in the new regulations.
0: And what are your thoughts, Amanda, on the prudential requirements in the proposals?
1: So as a EU licensed payment institution, uh, Bitstamp already fulfills EU prudential rules that apply to payment institutions. And so we definitely strongly support the implementation of prudential rules in this context. Um, All we know from the the consultation, though, at this point is that the FCA is going to set out capital and liquidity requirements. We we don't know what they are. But again, I think this really can only be a good thing for the market, a well-regulated, capitalized firm that's transparent just goes to create consumer confidence and a level playing field. So exchanges kind of pumping their books with opaque lending or being capitalized by issuing their own tokens, it's gonna be much harder to get away with for sure. Uh, And firms and the assets or projects they list will be more likely to be judged on their merits um, and value by the market subject to better supply and demand and not a false sense of value that we've seen unfortunately happen in the past year.
0: Do you foresee any issues for crypto asset trading venues in terms of the requirements for admission and disclosure documents and due diligence, for example?
1: I feel confident in saying that many exchanges have listing procedures and governance in place. Um, at BitStamp, our process involves multiple teams from business and product lines all the way through legal and compliance that check the risks of any asset uh, before listing it. And we're continuously monitoring for changes in the asset or the market that may cause us to reassess any asset that we've listed and have a dedicated market surveillance program in place also also to monitor. Um, but I think the challenge of the market abuse requirements in the consultation for firms that don't have those operations in place as part of their compliance program is that they're going to need to build those out and it's it's not gonna be cheap. Um, Traditional blockchain monitoring systems won't catch these typologies like wash trading. So you'll need specialized software or client staff to monitor for those typologies. And again, then we get into this question of, is it stifling a bit smaller players that have really limited resources? So I, I think that's the challenge in building out appropriate programs to meet those requirements.
0: I thought the proposals with respect to market abuse were very interesting, and I thought it was notable that Treasury were being quite realistic and pragmatic about the limits of what might be achievable in terms of market abuse, because of the difference between trading in crypto assets and more traditional financial instruments. So the paper did clearly call out, for example, issues like, you know, there will not always be a clearly identifiable issuer in the crypto asset space, which, may mean that it's much more difficult to control inside information in the same way as with a, a traditional securities issue. There's the question of the influence that people like miners or oracles could have on the market, for example, a heavy retail customer base, fewer intermediaries with responsibility for detecting and preventing market abuse. It seemed to me that in that context, Ultimately, we will need to get to a regime here which is is really quite careful in the the level of burden that places on trading venues to establish, for example, who offenders are. You'd publicly blacklist offenders, which is something that's being referred to in the proposals. It may be quite challenging for firms confidently to do that, given just the inherent nature of the, the assets that we're dealing with here. Hagen, do you have any thoughts on the market abuse angle?
2: I do because we, I guess we all agree that it it is indeed a super important topic and it needs to be solved. Uh, especially when it comes to the European regulation here, Mika clearly states, do not engage in any kind of market abuse, do not engage in insider trading, that kind of stuff. Yeah, thank you. We already kind of like knew that. And when it comes to that, we definitely need more information and we need more advice and guidance because, as far <laughs> as that is concerned, Mika is not necessarily a let's say cornucopia of galvanized crypto wisdom here. So it it will definitely depend on A, the markets to develop standards and to develop compliance programs that are up to the task. And just like Amanda said, that might harm like the smaller players out there because we as, as a, let's say market, we should actually listen to the market participants because those are the guys that have to like bear the brunt of regulation. So I guess it will depend how those regulatory technical standards play out that will come out soon.
0: Regarding crypto supervision more generally, Amanda, interested to hear your experience with relevant regulators in, in other jurisdictions and how welcoming they may be towards new business models and crypto DLT specifics. Obviously, the UK government have been very clear that they want to position themselves as an innovative, crypto-friendly jurisdiction. Interested in your thoughts on whether they've managed to capture that in the proposals, both in terms of what we see on paper, but also what you've experienced in practice.
1: Yeah, I think the consultation paper is actually quite close to Mika. And I think that's a very logical step towards being crypto friendly. The harmonization and certainty in regulatory outcomes definitely promotes kind of cross border expansion and by extension business growth. Um, as far as experience with NCAs are concerned, you know, we generally have a really positive experience both with the UK and continental um, authorities. Bitstamp also has VASP uh, registrations in France, Spain, Italy, um, Luxembourg, and Netherlands. Um, And so some are more welcoming to crypto than others but on a general note that they're all keen to explore crypto and DLT and and we're always happy to work together when we can assist in any kind of law enforcement investigation which definitely helps those relationships. Um, I would actually be interested to hear from Hagen if you think that applying for Mika when it comes out in places with more developed crypto licensing regimes like Germany or France be an advantage do you think those regulators because of perhaps the knowledge they have now or the um procedures they have in place will be able to to process those applications either faster or on on a better level than maybe some other places
2: well absolutely um that's indeed a great point because what you pointed out is there already is that kind of experience when it comes to regulating crypto and maybe you already know the market participants So it might be a huge advantage to apply in jurisdictions that that have already seen their fair share of crypto regulation. Germany is is an excellent example. France is one as well. It will just depend on whether we'll get the political backing as regulators or as, let's say, policymakers. And I really do hope that we will get that here in Europe because like you guys have already pointed out, the UK has positioned itself as like we want to, Webcom crypto business in the UK. And the EU is sort of doing the same thing. Let's just hope it actually transpires in a positive way.
0: Hagen, interested for any thoughts you might have on how the proposals or indeed Mika may differ in their application between centralized and decentralized exchanges, for example. How do you see that dynamic playing out?
2: Well, it's an excellent question. Thank you for asking it. There, there's a lot of stuff going on when it comes to DeFi right now. Um, the fact is that DeFi, at least the completely decentralized projects out there are not covered by Mika. Nevertheless, you have when, when it comes to DeFi, you have crypto in its purest form to date so far. Um, we have to address the technology issue and maybe even the technological risk. And at the same time, that might be a huge advantage or even a selling point for centralized crypto exchanges. You do you have to answer to do a gatekeeper regulation here? And that is something that, if it is well done, will definitely protect retail investors and customers. So, that is just something to keep in mind.
0: Thank you very much, both of you, for your comments, your contributions today. Lots of food for thought there. And a very interesting and ever changing UK regulatory environment at the moment. And we will be monitoring closely developments and we'll look at how. Uh, these treasury proposals ultimately make their way into legislation in due course please do stay tuned we will have further podcasts in this series coming very shortly